we're doing our series here about rest, and, and the, really the heart of this series is about Sabbath. It's a certain kind of rest. It's not just not doing things. It's finding rest in a certain type of space. And that space is, it, what I've called it is, a place of playing and praying with God. And so it's not just about being alone. See, technology has failed me today. So I will not use my iPad. I'll have a piece of paper. I will kill a tree in order to teach you guys about Jesus, right? It's worth it, right? And so uh, we're talking about Sabbath and, and what takes place in this space of Sabbath. Why is Sabbath something so crucial and important? Do you know Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, right? It's one of these, these foundational stones that are laid out for us and how we relate to God in the world. And so when we talk about Sabbath, we're talking about something crucial and foundational to the way that God has created us as people. One second. And so in this context of Sabbath, there are some questions about Sabbath. Why is Sabbath difficult? Why is uh, it scary? And this text is one of my favorites. Uh, The Old Testament is very preachable. It's not very teachable, but the Old Testament is very preachable. There are some moments in the Old Testament that are so dramatic. I I mean, I... You know, I'm not sure if you guys kind of caught the, the context here. There is a mountain that is covered in fire and smoke. And there's a loud sound that begins to, you know, to, to come out of trumpets and blasting sound. I mean, sirens almost. I mean, just imagine standing next to a mountain and this God of yours is now speaking out of this cloud of fire. That feels like a very safe place to be. Anybody? Amen. You know, we're sitting here, we're, you know, we're, we're singing. Imagine if, if we're singing songs to Jesus and there's like a, 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 a swirling cloud of fire that is yelling at you. I love you. Be safe. Trust me. <laughs> I'm not really scary. I'm just made of fire. That's all. Hugs, anyone? Yeah, yeah. You can kind of get the setting, right? There is fear that's being spread now. Everything that they see about God is terrifying. Let's go ahead and put that on pause just for a second. We'll come back to this. When was the last time that you spent hours with someone who you absolutely trust and you just kind of shared your heart? Now, I mean, someone, you know, you probably don't have many of these. Maybe it's a friend that you have or you used to have, maybe a spouse, but a space with them where it's one of those times where you were just kind of so in touch with them, so safe with them, but also it just felt like your emotions were easily kind of coming to the surface. Um, who in high school did like sleepovers? That sounds childish. I get it. But like, in, you know, did you sleep over with people in high school? Anybody? Okay. Everyone's like, that sounds really uncomfortable. I'm not sure I'm going to raise my hand. But you get the idea, right? There's something about being with someone for a long period of time. And then... There's something about nighttime. When it gets dark out, there's conversations that, that are had that seem to not happen during the day. Have you ever noticed this before? Someone will bring something up or something will slip out and you're like, whoa, I didn't expect you to say it to me, but there's something about that space. Normally uh, with my friends, it was around like two or three in the morning. We'd be hanging out all day. We're kind of sitting around uh, and all of a sudden, you know, a really deep conversation would break out and you're like, I don't know you like that, you know, like, I'm not sure if I want to have this conversation with you right now, you know, talking football, talking whatever, and all of a sudden, deep seats of emotion come out. Whoa, I don't want to know about your parents, you know, I, I don't need to know that, right? Have you ever had these experiences? Okay, just like, okay, here we go, subtle nod, no hands, right? There's something about that space, when you are with someone else 
who for some reason in that place you feel very safe. And so it's this connection between I feel safe, but I also feel very connected to what's deep inside of me. And there are things that you will say, and when you say them, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I thought that, I felt that, I've been wrestling with it. Things just kind of come out in that safe place. And in that space with this friend or spouse, you feel known. You, you feel like you know them in a way that, that no one else knows them. And you feel now like this person knows you in a way that no one else knows you. Have you ever experienced that before? There's something about being known and knowing someone. This is foundational to being human. Now, I want you to understand that the passage we're talking about is about knowing and being known. It doesn't sound like that. It seems very different. We are, we've come to a place here in this, in this passage where there's fire and smoke and there are rules now. But the part that we miss is this. It starts out in verse 1. I had my notes. It starts out in verse 1. It says this. Then God spoke all these words. Verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of of slavery. It's hard for us to read this the way that they felt this, right? What God is saying, you say, okay, okay, before anything else, before we talk about anything else, remember who I am. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who freed you. This is who I am. This is how I feel about you. I'm about to tell you things. I'm about to share things with you that might be a little bit too much. I'm about to show more than you might be ready for. But remember this. Remember who I am. I'm the God who led you out of Egypt. See, like, uh, here is how most of you read the Ten Commandments. Hear, O Israel, I'm the God who led you to the desert to spank you. Come on. And here's the Ten Commandments. If you break this, I spank. You break this, I spank. You break this one, I definitely spank. Correct? This is how we read this passage. This is how they see this, this moment, right? They see darkness and fire and what they receive is fear. But see, the foundation of everything that he's about to share with them is built on one thing. Remember who I am. Before you ever knew me as the God of laws, before you ever knew me as the God of fire or smoke, I was first to you the God of freedom. I'm the God who, for whatever reason, because of who I am and the way I feel about you, I have come to free you. I'll translate that again. Before he gives them rules, he says, I'm the God who only wants you to be free. And because I'm the God who only wants you to be free, here is the next step in freedom. Can you imagine how differently we would read these rules in that light? I'm the God who wants to free you, so trust me on this. Here, this is going to free you even more than before. The first thing that comes down when it comes down to knowing people is is distance. We have a problem with trying to guess who people are, right? There's something about distance. If I meet new people every Sunday, 
right? I mean, there are new families who come every Sunday, and I can't help, but the moment I meet them, I begin to try to, to create a mental image of who they are. From the, the few words we have, you know, we, we meet and we shake hands, hi, my name is this and this, and you know, we heard about the church, it's great, right? Which is what you should all say. <laughs> it's the best church ever, right? Instantly, I'm, I'm trying not to, but I'm a human. I am now building a picture in my mind of who I see you as. And you're doing the same thing. And every time that we meet, we're adding to that picture. But what happens here is that the first time that we meet, the first feelings, the first thoughts, the first impressions, they're always there. That's the first mold of who we see each other as. And everything else begins to be added to that. You see, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. If, you, if your impression of someone was great when you first met them, right, it's easier to begin to get closer to them. What if your first impression was terrible and awful? It's going to take much more proximity being close to someone to learn them. What if your first impression of God is a God who led you to the desert to spank you? This is funny, but what if your first impression of God is the God who said, I love you, but I'm going to have to send you to burn for eternity if you don't make me mad. I love you. Now I want you to get to know my love. How about that? How does that feel? What does that first impression now create? The moment that the God you see is covered in fire, or at least his plan for you is covered in fire. Come on, this is funny. This is exactly how we've been taught God. We've been brought to a holy hill with darkness and fire, and we're told, okay, be careful, everyone, step back. You might get burned. That's the gospel. Good news. You might get burned forever, but he loves you very much. It's a loving fire. And so the first impression, fire, Oh, but, but love, somewhere inside the fire and the smoke and the billowing noises. <laughs> See, <laughs> there are ways to make friends, correct? Anybody know that? You can show yourself to be friendly. Who has a, a, a resting unfriendly face? Don't raise your hand and don't point, Okay. <laughs> it's going to be harder for you to make friends, right? Because the first impression of you is, I mean, honestly, I don't even need to try. You, you all know. Um, but you get the idea, right? There is an ability for us to, to try to make ourselves look safe. And I, and I love this because for most of us, we believe this is the first image of God. This is the God who shows himself as fire and cloud. This is the God who wants us to see him first and foremost as fear. But his first words were not rules. His first words were not corrections. His first words were this, remember who I am. The first face of mine you ever saw is the God who led you out of slavery. That is who I am. Now we're going to get to some hard stuff, but you're only going to be able to swallow the hard stuff if you remember who I am. For us, as followers of this God, as people who are trying to get closer to this God, having to remember who this God is is crucial. This is the God whose dream for us, whose passion for us, is to free us. But it leads us to the next step. 
If I see this God as someone who is safe, what's next? What I love about this is the conversations that go on with, with Israel and Moses. This back and forth. Because there comes this place where Moses invites them up to the mountain. They go, no, 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 no. He called you up there, not us. <laughs> no, you go up there for us and then you come back and talk to us. And remember the consecration, what's happened before this. They've all been gone through ceremonies of, of becoming clean. They've all just been circumcised. It's a pretty messy place, if you can imagine that, okay? They've all paid a price to be ready to meet God. But they say, no, 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 I have second thoughts. Um, I'm happy if you go talk to God and bring it back because he looks a little scary. So the second thing I want to talk about this morning, if we first see God as loving, if we truly see God as safe, then why don't we want to get closer? Because in the years I've been pastoring, I've seen this very consistently. We all have a comfort level with God. There is a place where we feel safe, and if we go beyond this, I just, hmm. How about this? If you don't know someone at all, and if you are a normal person, not extremely extroverted, okay, do you have a, a, a distance you want to maintain when you meet that person? Have you ever met someone who wants to shake your hand, but bring you in like this, like that handshaker? You know, it's like Joey, you know what I'm talking about? He wants to shake your hand, but he wants to bring you close and face to face. I'm Joey. And I like warm hugs, you know. I'm Devin. They're okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's some joys in your life, that's for sure. There is this this kind of safety space most of us have. It's okay to be around people who we don't fully know or we're not safe with yet, as long as they stay so many feet away. Just stay right there. And we're good. We can shake hands over the line. We can talk about the Razorbacks, but we're not going any farther. I see this same behavior with God consistently. Yes, I want God in my life, but I want God in my life just to that line. And I think we're good here. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable going beyond this. We've talked about this consistently in this uh, series here. There are two people who we don't know well. God and ourselves. These are also the two people who we want to keep distance with. God, you stay there, and I'm going to make sure to hide from myself. How about this? What are your first impressions when I say words like therapy or solitude, silence, journaling? How do you feel about those words? Are those exciting words? If, if it is you, you're odd, so please don't raise your hand. But to average people, right? Like, how do those words sound to you? I can't wait to go to therapy. Yes! I love to sit alone for a week all by myself. That sounds like a good time. I would love to be fully silent and say nothing for three days. I can't wait. Would you want to join me? We'll just sit next to each other silently for three days. We're allowed to wink. That's about it. We push these things away. Mm, I'm good. See, I, I used to be in circles where prayer was seen as the primary way to connect to God. And I saw this even in those circles. Only a few like weirdos wanted to spend hours in prayer with you. 
Let's be honest, okay? I mean, I mean, and I was one of them. I was like, let's do it. Let's pray for four hours. That's awesome. Because it's terrible because there becomes a place where you stop having things to pray. Some of you guys can pray for five minutes. The exceptional among us can pray for 30. The exceptionally long-winded can pray for two hours, right? But there comes a place where you're done with words. You're done with them. And now what do we do? Would someone like to play the guitar? Because it's getting real quiet. Or we can put a worship CD on in the background. Huh? That tells you how long I've been praying in those groups, right? Or uh, a worship cassette. How about that? Terrific. And the worst part of the worship cassette was it would run out. And then you got, you know what I'm talking about? Everyone's like, oh, well, Holy Spirit left for a few minutes, you know, until the tape got going. Because there is silence, right? There's silence. Now, I've been doing some painting on the side here for a while, and I really enjoy painting. I like to work with my hands. But there's something about paint that I find very, uh, very interesting. With, with a paint can, you know, when I open it up, I have to shake it or I, I stir it. And it's beautiful because when you get it all stirred up, it looks cohesive. It looks like it's one thing. Oh, look, that color is red or green or beige or grayish, which everyone wants grayish nowadays, right? It's grayish. It's, it's beige and gray. That sounds exciting, right? I'm just messing. If you, get, if you guys want your house painted grayish, I'd love to do it. Just call me, okay? But you get all mixed up, and again, it's a solid color. It all looks consistent. But if you walk away from that paint, if, if the movement stops, if it has enough time to sit still and you come back, it begins to separate. What looked like one consistent, healthy thing, right? If you give it time, if you stop the movement, you stop messing with it, you allow it to just sit still. Be still. All the different parts of it begin to separate. There begins to have this oil begin, and water begins to rise to the top. The, the coloring and the pigment and, and uh, the material begins to drop to the bottom, begins to separate. This is what your soul is like. When you're moving and you're moving and you're busy and you're busy, on the surface, it looks like it's, it's all just one thing. It, it's all healthy and, hey, look, it's red. That's what I am. I'm red or beige. Who's red? Who's beige? Okay, don't, don't point. But when you, stole, when you slow down, when you have a time of silence, when you have time alone, all of a sudden everything inside that seems, hey, everything's fine, I feel fine. And then all of a sudden things start to come apart. Things start to separate. Stuff starts to rise to the top. See, Sabbath, a place with God where we are just being with Him. We're not doing anything else. We're not pleasing anyone else. We're not busy or hurrying or accomplishing something or fixing something. We're just being with God. That's a dangerous place to be. Because all of the effort and work that we put into our lives, keeping it mixed up, all the, the, the energy that goes into to putting on that face that we all put on, it's not just to please other people. I know tons of people say, I'm not like that. I don't try to be anyone to anybody. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. There's a face you put on even to yourself. There is a, a person who we want to be that we are constantly trying to be to show ourselves that we're really that person. 
But when you slow down, things start to fall apart. The reason that I highly doubt there's many of you in the room who can tell me when you Sabbath. There's few people who actually practice in this room silence and solitude and being quiet, being alone, journaling, therapy, because we are terrified of what's going to come apart. If I stop mixing, if I stop keeping everything together, if I, if I stop all the energy I have to do to hold myself together, what happens when I slow down? Because what's so great about paint is that I can, I can stir, 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 and then stop just for a second and everything looks fine. As long as I get that thing on the walls fast enough, the, the homeowner's going to think it's going to look great. But if I let it sit just a little bit too long, it's all going to fall apart. What it really is, is going to show itself. Now, there's a passage in here. I love this so much. Uh, here in Exodus 20, uh, we come down to verse uh, 18. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the horn and the mountain smoking, the people shook with fear and stood at a distance. Do you see that phrase? They stood at a distance. You can never know anyone from afar. You cannot know someone from a distance. The reason, so here at Grace Church to be a member, you have to sit down with me and have coffee. You have to. It's the only way to go. <laughs> if you're terrified to have coffee with me, you, I'm sorry. You have to, to, to struggle through one hour with me and coffee, right? There's got to be some proximity. How can I be your pastor if I don't even know who you are? <laughs> right? There's got to be closeness. You've got to get near to someone to know them. And here we get this phrase. From afar, from a distance, God looked like one thing to them. And they were not willing to come close to find out who he really was. Now we do this with God and we do this with ourselves. From afar, I don't want to get any closer. Because if I get closer, if I, find, if I step into this, I'm not comfortable with what could happen. If I get alone with myself, if I go get therapy, I don't, I don't want to know what comes out. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm happy with the way things are. If you want to keep things the way they are, if you want to continue to have a shallow relationship, stay away. Keep everyone at a safe distance. Stay back. But you will never know who someone is from a distance. You will never know who God really is from a distance. But see, to get close to someone is a risk. It's vulnerability. It's, it's terrifying, right? To get close to someone means that you have to get to the place where you can smell their breath. Come on now. That's uncomfortable. The, the, the proximity where I could smell what type of deodorant or a lack thereof that you have on, right? That's why hugs are awkward. It's not just hugs, it's long hugs, right? I can handle a hug, but if someone wants to like squeeze me, Jake Steinger, you guys all know that guy, he, he wants, his mission in life is to make everyone uncomfortable. He tries to hug and, and then he just stays there. Because, you know, I, I think we all know, there is a moment of like an ordinary hug and then let go, Right? And Jake waits, and then he, 
You know, you know what I'm saying? And you start, and again, it's uncomfortable. It's just, it is. But this, this is an image of what it is to draw close to God. There is a comfort zone. Oh, the worship song's great. I want to come in. Okay, I'm good. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, this sermon's really good. In and I'm out. Okay, we're good. But what if you come in and you don't step back? What happens? You think about the people in your life who you know well. The people who know you. The people who you feel safe with. Is God like that? But why? Is God like that for the same reasons? Is God safe because you have stepped in and you haven't stepped out? Is God safe for you because you've been able to get uncomfortable with God and find that uncomfortable space and then it becomes comfortable and then I step in for more and then more? Or is God someone I trust and safe because He hasn't changed? Is God safe because I keep Him there? See, someone can be safe in my life Because I'm happy having that kind of relationship with you. As long as I'm satisfied just knowing you a little bit, it's okay. If you guys want to talk, the Razorbacks or whatever, that's great. We're just going to stay right here. And we're good like that. But the moment we we take another step, I don't know. And so there's this phrase. uh, Verse 19. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak to us or we'll die. Don't let God speak to us or we'll die. Okay. He said, he said to the people, don't be afraid because God has come only to test you and to make sure you're always in awe of God so that you don't sin. The people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness in which God was present. I love lines like that. The thick darkness in which God was present. Why is God being found in darkness? That's ridiculous. He's the God of light, right? As John would tell us, correct? Okay. He's the God who who dwells in unapproachable light. Where'd the light go? He's in darkness now. (laughs) Contradiction in the Bible. Oh, no. I'm just messing with you. It's okay. The God who was present inside of darkness. Thick darkness. I love the imagery. Darkness thick enough where you cannot see through it. Meaning, you will not feel safe until you step in. Did you get it? You will not know if that darkness is safe until you step into it. That's the only way to know. From back here, it will always look unsafe. I will always feel unsafe with that kind of intimacy unless I step in. It's the only way to know. I love that we have that type of God. Sure, if you want to stay out there, go ahead. But if you want to, come on. Take a step. Try me. See, the one thing that we don't get in this story, but we do get in the epistles where the apostles are kind of reteaching how to understand the Old Testament, is that all of these things were not God testing man. These were ways for man to to figure out who God was. In essence, ways for man to test God. Who is God really? That darkness is an invitation. What God is really saying is, please, remember who I am. 
I'm the God who freed you. Will you trust me enough to step in? Will you step into thick darkness? Gosh, I love that. See, there is something about the soul of a human that is so complex. When I first started pastoring, I thought the answer to everything was to help you guys with your spirit, meaning we would pray away anything that was a problem, we would fast away anything that was a problem, we would take care of a demon or we'd pray for a spirit. Everything was spiritual. Hey, you're having an issue, come on up, we're going to slay you in the spirit and everything's going to be fixed. Someone would drop to the floor and there would be tears and excitement and energy and goosebumps and then they'd walk away the exact same. What happened? And then I thought, well, it's the mind. We have to retrain the way they think. So we're going to teach them all these things. We're going to teach them how to think about God the right way and that's going to help it. Classes and books later and seminars and whatever else and sermons later and no change. What's, what's, what's happening here? And only recently have I begun to really accept that the hard part, the tricky part of being human and helping humans is the soul. See, the soul of a human is where everything gets mixed up. Everything gets confusing and tangled. In this space where our mind and our emotions and our experiences and our desires all kind of begin to tangle up, this is where the real work happens. It's spiritual. It's mental. It's emotional. But the problem is, it's all of them. And they're marred together in this confusing mess. And if you keep it stirring, if you stay busy long enough, everything looks fine. But you have that person slow down and be alone for a while and examine for a while. All of a sudden, things start to just come apart. And see, there's something about knowing ourselves. See, in marriage counseling, when I'm working with couples, one of the first things we do is I want each couple to take time to get to know themselves. We're not even going to be in the same room together. We're not even going to, to work through our issues. We're not going to talk stuff out. That we're not, you're not ready for that yet. You need to find out who you are first. Because you will never know who they are until you know who you are first. Until you untangle this ball of a mess, which is who you are, you will never be able to engage with that ball of a mess, who they are. Ever. You will always keep people at a safe distance, no matter who they are. Friends, family, God, your own children, you will always have a distance until you do the tough work of allowing yourself to come apart. Taking that risk to step into thick darkness because this is where God is present. In the depth of our emotion, of our experiences, of, of our mind, of our desires, in the, the deepest part of who you are, is where God is to be found. He's present everywhere. But there's an encounter with God in that place that will transform everything about you. And Sabbath is this place where we consistently slow down. We put all of our titles and our work and our, everything that everyone's told us we are, we put it down. We get alone with God and we allow things to fall apart a little bit. But 
But what happens in that place is that when I come to know who I am, the ugly, the beautiful, the good and the bad, when I allow all that I am, when I learn to know myself, I can now know you in a way that I never could before. And now I can let you know me in a way that I never could before. And now that I know who I am, I'm able to begin to untangle all of my brokenness and my issues and my misunderstandings and my weaknesses and all of these things I begin to detach from who I thought God really was. When I step into the cloud of having to untangle all of the mess, of having to face my deepest fears, inside of this thick darkness, this is where I find God. And this is where I begin to gain the clearest, most intimate, safe understanding of who God really is. Remember, I'm the God who wants to free you. Step in. Step in. Would you guys stand with me today? I love this topic because it's something that I've been kind of wrestling with for a couple of years. I've, sometimes things just kind of grab my attention. I can't, I can't ignore them. So I've been thinking about Sabbath, praying about Sabbath, studying about Sabbath. Why was this a commandment? Why was this something that in the first church, to be a Christian, you had to observe Sabbath? If you didn't observe Sabbath, you were not a Christian. What, why? What does that have to do with anything? But there's such wisdom if we're people who have been created to follow Jesus, if the mission of following Jesus is to learn to love God, to give God all of ourselves, and then to learn to love and to give all of ourselves to our neighbor, how can we ever accomplish that if we don't first learn who I am and who He is? How can I ever give myself to someone else? And this is why Sabbath is crucial. I'm not just doing a series, guys. If, if you don't have a time in your week consistently where you just put everything aside and you let things fall apart a little bit, you're missing out. You are settling for a shallow relationship with everyone in your life. You can only know someone to the depth that you know yourself. The invitation to Sabbath, to rest in God, is the invitation to have relationships of depth. To know God deeply. To know the person, my, my friends, my children, my spouse, deeply. You think about the people who you know the most, you feel the safest. They're the people who know the most about your weaknesses. The most about your, broken, your brokenness. The most about your failures. Those are the people who you know the most. Who you feel the safest with the most. So why would God be any different? Obviously He knows He's God. But no, to share it him to be broken with him to let him heal us so we're going to take the lord's supper today the eucharist and in this space this is the the weekly invitation that we have as christians for two thousand years christians have been doing this every week to remind us that the cross wasn't the cross was our invitation come this cross that looks like death and brutality and pain and from a distance it looks like nothing I ever want I want to have anything to do with that but hidden inside of the cross is an invitation come closer this is who I am 
the God who wants to free you. So Father, we just prepare our hearts and minds. Lord, every part of us that we have been scared to, to see, we've held back, even if we're unaware, if we're unaware that there are parts of ourselves we don't know, unaware that we've been hiding parts of ourselves from others and from you, ask, Lord, that you would show us. We ask that your invitation would just ring louder and louder in our hearts. Come closer.